This podcast is a presentation of Sunset Presbyterian Church. For more information, log on to our website at www.sunsetpres.org. Hi, good morning, good morning. How are you all today? Doing good? All right, good. Well, do you know what today is, kiddos? Palm Sunday, that's right. And do you know what happened on Palm Sunday? (laughs) Yes, they put them down on the road for King Jesus. That's right. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. So, on Palm Sunday, there was something like a parade. Have any of you been to a parade before? Or seen one on TV? Yeah. Parades are super fun, aren't they? Yeah. yeah, they are. There are lots of people lining the streets, waiting to see the action. There's lots of noise, marching bands and horns, people laughing and dancing and yelling. It's bright, colorful, and noisy. I like parades. How about you? Sometimes they throw candy. Yes, that's true. It's a wonderful thing. I forgot about that, actually. It's wonderful. So I want you to imagine. Yes, I want you to imagine something with me. Imagine that you're sitting on the side of a dusty road and you got up super early to get a good spot and you're waiting for the parade to start. When you wait a very, very, very long time and nothing's happening. But finally, you start to hear voices. You hear people laughing and singing and yelling. And you see dust rising at the end of the road. Someone is coming. First, you see people with their palm branches, waving them around like we did and throwing them on the ground. Then you see colorful blankets thrown on top of the dust, making a path for someone very important. Finally, you see the guest of honor, the king, making his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. The donkey, that's right. She's telling the story for me. What am I going to do up here? (laughs) Yeah. So you expect the king, a king, to be riding on something beautiful, maybe a chariot with beautiful horses leading him, but not this king. He rode on, what was that, Kinsley? A donkey. That's right. A young donkey. So have you ever seen a parade? Hold on a minute. Have you ever seen a parade that was just one man on a donkey and that was the whole parade? No, it's that would be a little strange, wouldn't it? You got up early. You got the best spot. You're all excited. Just one man on a donkey. But this wasn't any ordinary man. This was King Jesus. The man who could do miracles and heal people. Everyone knew who he was and they went wild. They yelled. They waved their palm branches and threw them on the road for him. Did they make a lot of noise? Yes, they did. And the whole city heard them and they came running. So we have these palm branches for you to wave like we did in the last song. 
and I'd like everyone to yell. In just a minute, we're going to yell, Hosanna, blessed are you, King Jesus. Hosanna can mean praise him. So we are celebrating Jesus with our words. When I raise my palm branch like this, we're going to yell, okay? When I raise it really high, we're going to yell our loudest. And then when I bring the palm branch to my lap, we're going to stop yelling, okay? Are you ready? Okay, we're going to hear what Palm Sunday might have sounded like. And I'd like to invite all the adults to join in too, or teenagers or everybody. Again, we're going to yell, Hosanna, blessed are you, King Jesus, okay? Hosanna, blessed are you, King Jesus. Hosanna, blessed are you, King Jesus. Louder. Hosanna, blessed are you, King Jesus. One more time. Hosanna, blessed are you, King Jesus. Oh, good. That was so good. Okay. Thank you so much for joining me for this story about Jesus. We're going to hear more about it this morning, but right now we're going to put our palm branches down and we're going to pray. Okay. Lord God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for a time set apart to come together as one family in Christ to glorify you, to thank you for your son, Jesus, and the triumph that he has had in our lives. We praise you, we bless your name, and we thank you for who you are to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, kiddos, go ahead and go back to your families. You can wave your palm branches on the way back. And parents, this is the time to take your kids to their classroom. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. You can be seated, please. Good to be with you again this morning. So I want to start by observing that on Palm Sunday, in the Gospel of Luke, where I'm going to reach to a little bit this this morning, Jesus wept. Well, hang on a minute. Isn't Palm Sunday supposed to be about waving those branches and a parade with all sorts of cheering and fun times. And yet, in the Gospel of Luke, it says, Jesus came into this, looked at the city, and he wept. Now, when I hear those two words, Jesus wept, it takes me back about 30 plus years to my Sunday school days. I feel really old saying that Sunday school, and it might be closer to 40. But anyway... In Sunday school, we used to play a game every Sunday. I'm quite sure it was not so much to teach us about Scripture, but really to keep us from killing each other. It was called Bible Trivia. Yes, and in Bible Trivia, there were several questions that all veteran Sunday schoolers knew were coming up at some point in the near future. So you practice these questions. So I'm going to give you the three basic questions and see how you do. Number one, who is the oldest person recorded in the Bible and how old was he when he died? Methuselah is the answer, but you don't win the points unless you know that he was 969 years old. 
No jokes about any old people in the congregation having met him. (laughs) Number two, who, and this one might be, this one might be only in my area of the country they ask this question because I, I don't know where it's at in the Bible. Who was the wife of Mr. Peacock? The smart aleck correct answer was Mrs. Peacock. Again, I don't know where that's in Scripture. But the third question was, all veteran Sunday schoolers knew this one. What is the shortest verse in the Bible? John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. And it's, I, what I didn't know back then is that there's only two places in all of Scripture where it records that Jesus wept. One is John 11.35, where he is weeping, and the word there means he's quietly sobbing over the death of his friend Lazarus. The other is Luke chapter 19, Palm Sunday, where the word there means he was loudly and inconsolably wailing on Palm Sunday of all days. And so we pick up the story, and this this question that I thought about this week as I prepared for this sermon was, why? Why is he crying on such a day? Why is this one of the only times in, the, in his entire life on earth that we see God's heart breaking? And that must be a really important answer for us to know. And so I look at Luke chapter 19. If you'd like to go there, I think Scott Nish has put the stuff up on the screen for you, but Luke 19 is the account I'll pull on to tell the story of Palm Sunday. There's similar accounts with only small details different in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So Luke chapter 19 verse 42 gives the answer to the question, why was Jesus crying? What was causing him to be inconsolable? And he says, If you, the people of Jerusalem, the people of the city, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would give you peace. And in 44, But you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Jesus came to offer peace. Through this whole Holy Week experience, he comes into the city offering peace, and he comes to die, and he comes to to be risen, all the while offering peace through his resurrection. But even now, while the parade is going on, and the shouts of joy are happening all around him, the people are failing to recognize what was really happening. And they end up, as we know, rejecting the very peace that Jesus wanted to give them. It's easy to think that these people were really just stupid and they didn't recognize the obvious signs that they should have seen on this Palm Sunday. But we all fail to recognize these sorts of things in our life, don't we? The people on this first Palm Sunday failed to recognize what was happening and thus they missed out on Jesus wanting to meet their real need. Not what they thought they needed, but what they truly needed and desired. And the reason they missed it is because they were focused on what they thought was important. You see, I think the complexity of the story of Palm Sunday 
It's not quite as simple as it was made in the kids' sermon. The complexity of it is all about expectations. The people, they were full of desires that they wanted to put on Jesus. They wanted him to do what they needed or what they thought they needed. And they were willing to shout and cheer for Jesus as long as he met or they had reason to hope that he would meet their expectations. But we know that less than a week later, when they realized he wasn't going to do it their way, they, some of them, were part of the crowd that was willing to yell out, Kill him! He hasn't done what I want him to do. They were so focused on Jesus meeting their expectations that they failed to notice that he had come to provide for what they truly needed. And let's turn that around a little bit this morning. Sometimes we can be so focused on worshiping the Jesus we want him to be and the expectations we put on him that we can miss that he has come to offer us what is really our greatest need. And so we look at this story, familiar story for many of us, of Palm Sunday. And there's elements in all of the gospel accounts that show us how the people missed it, what they were focused on, that caused them to miss what Jesus was offering. The first is in verse 29. Melissa talked a little bit about this today. He, verse 29 says, He sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. In verse 35, They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. And as they went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. This as many of us know, is a clear, uh, this is a clear fulfillment of a prophecy in Zechariah. This was what people expected the Messiah to do. To come in like David did into the city on the back of a donkey. And to come in with cloaks being laid out as you would for a king. Just as the prophet had foretold. But here's the thing. This parade is based on the expectation that Jesus would do what the people wanted them to. That he would be the conquering king in the way they saw it. That he would come in and establish the prominence of the nation. That he would protect their property. And he would lower their taxes. And he would make Israel great again as a nation. That's what they wanted out of this king. And they missed the fact that Jesus would do all of those things, but he wouldn't do it like they wanted. He would eventually overthrow the Roman government in a spiritual way, not a physical one. He was meeting their need, not their immediate desire. Another expectation. Verse 37. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. 
Well, at first glance, this looks like a great thing they did. They praised him for all the miracles he was doing. And you wonder, why would Jesus weep over this sort of a response? This is good. It must be all about their motives. You see, these people had seen Jesus do good things, great things. They'd seen him heal people. They'd seen him cast out demons. They'd seen him raise people from the dead. And they were willing to praise him and scream and shout his praises up till the moment they realized this guy's too weak to get himself out of trouble. Up until he couldn't meet those needs anymore. And they turned on him in a short period of time. This expectation hits a little closer to home for me. Anyone else here found yourself worshiping Jesus contingent upon how he will answer your prayers in the way you've prayed them? Anyone else found yourself worshiping Jesus up until he won't do the, doesn't do the miracle you've asked for? You know he can, but he doesn't heal or he doesn't restore that relationship. He doesn't do what you want. And you find yourself, perhaps, your heart just a little bit turning on him. Anyone else besides me come to realize later that you've forfeited some of the peace God has offered because we are so focused on the immediate desires of my heart. The last expectation found in this Palm Sunday story appears in verse 39. It says, Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. The Pharisees, as we know, are the religious leaders of the day. The ones who didn't like Jesus, perhaps because in part of what he was teaching about his beliefs, but the Gospels kind of make us feel like mostly the Pharisees were upset at Jesus for more practical reasons. They wanted to keep their positions. They wanted to keep their influence and power. They wanted to maintain the traditions that they were used to. And again, it's easy to think, ah, Glad I'm not a Pharisee. But some of us oftentimes are willing to pursue at the cost of our own peace that God wants to give to us position, influence, power, authority, tradition. Sometimes we're very much like the Pharisees. Do you see yourself in the faces of the people in this crowd? Do you recognize the times when you worship Jesus for who you want him to be instead of who he is? As I think about these expectations that people brought to Jesus on Palm Sunday, they're all really about the same thing. They're all really about people's self-centered desire that he would take care of their immediate needs in the way he, they wanted him to do. The people thought they knew exactly what they needed. And Jesus wept because he knew they were missing out on what he came to offer. How often do we do the same thing? How often have I been blinded by the immediate desires of my heart? And I wonder how much peace we've all forfeited because of wanting Jesus to be 
who we want him to be rather than worshiping him for who he really is. Do you need to experience God's peace today? We all do, don't we? It's why we come into this place in part to worship him and in part to, to look for that peace that elsewhere in scripture it says passes all understanding. It doesn't even make any sense. And yet God says, it's yours. It's yours. That's what I came to give you. But the only real barrier between us and God is our own self-centeredness, our own expectations that we put on him, rejecting what he's truly bringing and offering us. And so this Holy Week, I want to be so present in it this week that I don't miss what God's doing that I don't miss the peace that he's offering, that I don't let what I want get in the way of what he's saying to me this week. I want these services that are coming up to not be things I just show up at and go through the motions because we do them every year, but I want them to be me giving my heart to Jesus again, renewed. Me asking him what he needs of me. Me accepting his peace instead of demanding what I want from him. Would you join me in that this week? That's what we're after, right? We can sit there and demand what we want. And we'll never get the peace we, want, we, we are longing for. Or we can come before the foot of the cross this week. Fall down before him. And worship him for who he is instead of for who we want him to be. Let's pray. Father, it is a complex story, this Palm Sunday. We love the part about yelling Hosanna and waving the branches. And that's good and right. You came to save us. And you came to be our king. But it's more complicated than that. And we know that the people who were first there ended up turning on you and missing out on what you had. And that's why you wept that day. Lord, I pray that you will not weep over this church this week. That we will not miss your offer of peace. That we will submit to you and worship you for who you are instead of who you want us to be. In your name we pray. Amen. I just want to reflect for a, a few a couple minutes just on what happened right after the triumphal entry. So after Jesus makes his triumphal entry, he then comes and he cleanses the temple. And this story about being cleansed is actually sandwiched in between two stories about a fig tree, a fruitless fig tree. So it's like a fig temple fig sandwich. It's sandwiched together. So we call it the cleansing of the temple, but it's really a parable. The whole thing is a dramatic parable about um, uh, the fruitless fig tree. Because this passage, in this passage, Jesus is teaching us, because at the beginning, he sees a fruit tree. There's no fruit on it. He says there's no fruit anymore. He's going to go into the temple and cleanse it. And then when he comes back out, that fruit tree is withered. And so this whole passage acts like a parable, which essentially says that if the temple is not producing fruit, it will wither and die. 
If the temple's not producing fruit, it'll wither and die. And at the heart of this cleansing of the temple is Jesus's call that everyone there would be prayer warriors. It's a call to faith-filled prayer. Because what he teaches when he goes back into the temple after his triumphal entry is that this house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. God himself says that, that my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. And that's why at the end of every service, we say Sunset Church is a house of prayer for all nations. And at the end of the withered fig tree parable, Jesus says, this is how you're to pray. Pray having faith in God. And whatever you ask, continuously believe that you have already received what you asked for in the name of God, and it will be yours. So, church, house of prayer, I want to call us to pray this week. Pray that God would pour out his spirit upon this church so that Sunset Church really would be a house of prayer for all nations and that we would experience fruitfulness, more and more fruitfulness. So come, church, join us this week in prayer. Join us at the Monday Thursday service. We are going to pray and remember what happened that night. Join us on Good Friday, and we're going to pray again and remember his death. Join us on, uh, for the 24-hour Easter prayer vigil where we will pray in this sanctuary that God would pour his Holy Spirit upon us and that we would experience his fruit like never before. May this be a turning point. So that will lead us into a celebration on Easter Sunday. Why don't you stand and I will give us the benediction. After this benediction, we are going to have prayer ministers who are going to come forward and pray for any and all of you as God calls us to be a house of prayer for all nations. So receive the blessing. May Jesus make his triumphal entry right into your heart. And may Jesus be our true king who can bring true and lasting peace. And may we be a house of prayer for all people everywhere. And all God's people said,